In the old city of Argos, there was a king named Acrisius. Acrisius was blessed with many things, but what he always wished for was a son. He and his queen had borne only daughters, and Acrisius feared the end of his line. In an effort to quell those fears and hopefully receive some insight, the king traveled to the oracle, a mystic fortune teller through which the god of light, poetry, and prophecy, Apollo, spoke through. However, speaking to the oracle brought him nothing but fear. As Apollo entered the oracle, she spoke, It is by his hand, the strong king of Argos, Acrisius, will be struck down, all memory of a once great king lost to history. Hello, and welcome back to the Gods and Heroes show. Welcome back to the logs. Thank you so much for tuning in and for your excellent patience. On this episode, we're going to talk about a demigod, a prophecy, and a thirst for adventure. This is Perseus and the Search for Glory. If true what the oracle had spoken, the great king would be struck down by the hand of his own grandson. All memory of the once great Acrisius would be erased and a new king will rise. So, the king made haste to remove his grandson from the city. To do this, he had his guardsmen kidnap the princess, Danae, and her newborn son in the night. Quietly, the guardsmen took them to the beach, the beach that gazed upon an open sea. The princess had struggled, but both outnumbered and carrying her newborn, she succumbed, and the guardsmen forced her into a large chest and then set that chest into the sea. From the clifftop, the king watched as the chest gently floated out of view and into the open ocean, breathing a sigh of relief that the child who would destroy him is now gone. Acrisius' celebration may have been a tad premature, though, as the child, who we shall now call Perseus, was born a demigod, the son of Danae and Zeus, the king of the gods. And Zeus would not let Perseus's story end in a chest at the bottom of the ocean. He shifted the winds and influenced his brother Poseidon to calm the waves in an effort to save Danae and her newborn child. Meanwhile, on the island of Seraphos, a man named Dictus was taking some time to fish when he noticed a wooden chest floating along the surface of the water. He watched and waited until the large box washed up on the shore, and using a rock, he shattered the latch that kept the lid closed tight. Dictus had expected the chest to have food from a merchant boat or weapons from a navy vessel. He'd hoped he'd been so lucky as to find gold from a now sunken pirate ship. He would have never in a millennium expected to open that large wooden chest to find a woman, damp from the salty water fear in her eyes, cradling a child at her bosom. Dictus brought the woman, whom he now knew as Danae, princess of Argos, to the palace. Seraphos was an unusual island, because it had two rulers, brothers in fact, one of which was Dictus, and the other Polythectes. Unanimously, the brothers decided that Danae can stay with their people, on the island, and grow her child here in a safe place. Time had passed, and Perseus had now grown up. 
In those many years, Polydectes had married Danae and took it upon himself to raise her child, the son of Zeus. He loved Perseus as his own. He taught him the sciences, the arts, how to fight and how to be a good leader. Now he saw his stepson a man, and he urged Perseus to go out into the world and find adventure. For through adventure, he will find glory. Perseus, young and free, agreed with Polydectes, and together they pondered what Perseus can do to find glory in the Greek world. After much thought, Polydectes shot up from his throne and screeched, Perseus, I have found your glory. It comes through the terrible Gorgon Medusa. Strike off her head and bring it back to me, here in Seriphos. Perseus's eyes lit up as he imagined the life of a hero of Greece. He made haste to find Medusa, first heading to the Grey Sisters, three gray-haired women that shared one eye and one tooth. Perseus walked into their rockin' chamber, and with his chest held high, he commanded, Congratulations, for you have met the great hero Perseus. It is I, and I order you to give me the location of the home of the nymphs. Ooh, the young hero orders us, said the one sister. You think you are the first to do so, boy, said the other. But sisters, remember, this is the great Perseus here. We have to tell him everything, <laughs> said the last. Frustration was shown plainly on the young man's face. His temples burned and his fingers clenched into fists as each new scolding remark exited the mouths of the Grey Sisters. And then a smirk slowly formed on Perseus's face, and the hero began to chuckle. You are right there, sister. I am the great Perseus, and I asked you a question. Quickly, he swiped away their eye and their tooth and held them over a fire. Answer me, or they burn. No, 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 child, please, please stop, wait, and we will tell you, said the first sister. The other sister screeched, fine, just give us back our eye and our tooth, young one, and we'll tell you where you can find your nymphs. The trouble that Perseus had with the Grey Sisters wasn't for naught, as the nymphs he searched for were not just any, since they possessed some of the most powerful tools a hero could ever need like the winged sandals of Hermes that could carry a man anywhere he wished, and a wallet that would mold to carry any item placed within, and the helmet of Hades that used the power of the underworld to grant invisibility to its wearer. As he left the place of the nymphs and began his journey to Medusa, Perseus was greeted by Hermes, messenger of the gods. He smiled as he landed softly on the ground. I see you found my shoes. Oh, gods, you know what they say, right? Sometimes it's like stuff just grows wings and flies away, huh? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> it's all right, kid. You keep them. You wear them well. I'm not really here to talk about the shoes, though. I know what you're doing all this for. All this far away from home stuff. Perseus had a questioned look on his face. 
Were the gods themselves now looking at his story? Was he actually becoming a hero? He felt butterflies build in his belly. He tried to lift his chin up and respond with something strong and wise, but all he can get at was a, oh, oh you do. I do, said Hermes. You're trying to take down the snake-haired lady, Medusa, right? I brought you something, something nice. It's a shield. My, my shield, actually. Try not to hide behind it too much, huh? Hermes handed Perseus a golden shield, perfectly round at all its edges, shimmering against the sun like a mirror. He was mesmerized. It had a certain life to it, like it thought with him using two minds to move the great disc in space. Th thank you, thank you, Perseus muttered. No problem, kid. Just go get that Gorgon. We're all watching. No pressure. He flew away so quickly that Perseus did not have enough time to process all he just said. He was watching? They? They were watching? The gods were watching him? Could he be a real hero? Is he destined for greatness? Perseus lifted his chest again. He tightened the strap on his newfound shield, unsheathed his sword, and traveled to the cave of Medusa. It had an air to it, this cave did. Everything seemed so calm and cold, as if you can rest your head on the cold rocks and not open your eyes for ages. The chilled air enveloping you, grabbing you, and keeping you there. It felt empty and alone, but Perseus was not alone. As he walked cautiously, he stepped and sidestepped tens and hundreds of people, each of them etched with open eyes and gaping mouths, their final feeling eternal. It's her, Perseus muttered under his breath. The noises grew louder as he moved closer. He continued, closer and closer, like weeds the statue sprouted, and Perseus sifted through the many faces, getting more and more angry at the monster. It was even closer now. He could almost make out words as if the monster was speaking, plotting, readying its mind for destruction. Perseus gripped the hilt of his sword a little more tightly. He ensured that the strap that kept his great shield affixed to his forearm gripped him like a mother to her child. He had seen her now. Her scales were thick like the tiles that covered her roof. Her hands were strong and ended in talons like those of a vulture, and her hair was not brown and fine, rather it was replaced with snakes, hundreds of snakes, slithering amongst each other, fighting for a position, stinging and hissing. Perseus saw her eyes as she turned away. They were red and deep, illuminated like rubies. Lucky for Perseus, for if she had stared those menacing eyes at his own, he would have surely been turned to stone. Yet another decoration in Medusa's chamber. 
he had to find a way to get close enough to strike her. Perseus continued, walking, jumping, and weaving through the statuary. Closer and closer he crept. He moved slowly, step by step. He had come so close to her now, he could smell death on her, its heavy trace seeping from her pores. One more step he took with his right, but when he went to move his left foot, he felt a tug, his foot restricted by a tree root poking from beneath the cave floor. Perseus tumbled down to the ground, his sword fell from his grasp as he braced himself with his arm. Crash! The sword cried as it bounced along the rocks. Medusa knew he was here. She darted her head towards the source of the noise. Perseus struggled to quickly free himself from the tree, but he heard her footsteps getting louder. Closer, he saw glimpses of the gorgon between the crowds of statues, her claws gripping, crushing, and pushing away the stony somas that were once vibrant with life. Perseus feared that he too would fall to the same fate, his body slowly turning to a cold statue, chained to the floor by the roots of a tree. Boom, crash, smash. She was nearly upon him. Perseus was out of options. He quickly tightened the leather straps of his shield against his left forearm and reached to find his sword. Where was it, though? He had thought the sword had fallen just next to him, but the uneven rocks of the cave floor gave it way to bounce just out of his reach. He turned, scanned, his eyes darted across the room, his neck twisted as does the owl of Athena. Where was the sword? Boom! Smash! Crash! There it was. Perseus began pulling the right side of his body towards it, reaching out his arm. More and more. He felt it. His fingertips ran across the hilt. He was just about to tighten his grip when the Gorgon demolished the statue just in front of him. He saw her now, clear as day, just a skip away from him. Her hulking body towered over the shattered remains of the statue. Her arms were protected by interlocking scales. Her hands ended in long claws. Her legs were strong. They were scarred and leathery, almost like the sun-drenched cowhide that sits outside the leatherworker's shop. He felt her gaze on his skin. Two warm pinpoints traveled down his legs, his abdomen and chest, and he felt them get near his eyes. Down, down, keep your head down, Perseus screamed to himself as the urge to look into her ruby eyes came over him. What could Perseus do? He tried taking swipes with his sword, but with his head down and his leg chained, he could not manage the thrust needed to break through her tough skin. All the while, temptation spoke to him. More and more he wanted to push his chin up and meet Medusa's gaze. And the Gorgon stood, moved closer to him, snarled, and waited for him to break. Then it hit him, the shield. He'd kept it to his side. In his concern over keeping his eyes away from Medusa, he had ignored the call of the great disc. The mirror finish found light even in the Gorgon's dim cave. He remembered gazing into the reflection of the sun on its face. Slowly, he shut his eyes tight, tight, and moved his head up to greet Medusa's. He felt her close in on him, leaning over the fallen hero, 
Then, as he felt the warmth just in front of his eyelids, he took his plan to action. In an instant, he thrust the shield of Hermes in front of his face and opened his eyes wide. In the moment he had before the shield intercepted Medusa's gaze, Perseus looked upon the face of the evil Gorgon. But for as much as her body mimicked the monsters of Hades, her face was calm, beautiful even. Her pearly white skin stood in stark contrast to her serpentine hair. Her plump red lips balanced the red-tinged irises that caused so many, so much sorrow, so much fear. In that moment, as the shield closed in and his sword thrust, Perseus almost hesitated. How could he, a prince, spend his life in a castle, a man who now yearns for the title of hero, come here and destroy this woman? Everyone told him that Medusa was of the monsters, a beast that lurks in a cave, turning the innocence to stone. But as his eyes met hers, he truly saw where he was, a cage that locked her away. And the statues were warriors, each with their weapons, swords, spears, nets, and pikes. Each of these men looked for glory, as he did, and just as he did, they believed they'd find it by ending Medusa. It was too late, though. The shield came up too quickly, and the sword did too. As Medusa gazed upon herself for the first time since she was punished by Athena, Perseus's muscles drove the sword clean through the Gorgon's neck. Her head tumbled to the floor. Perseus completed the fatal swing and then dropped his arm. He laid down on his back and finally loosened his foot from the root of the tree. He exhaled and finally stood to fully take in the scene. He looked down at himself and noticed his blood-soaked chest. It came from the body in front of him. Medusa's monstrous corpse laid along the rock. Then he saw her head nestled between some broken stones. Her eyes were finally closed. Perseus shed a tear and fell to his knees. He dropped his shield in front of him and stared into his own reflection. His face was covered with the blood of Medusa and his eyes drew crystal tears. Had he now achieved glory? Was he, Perseus, now a hero? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Logs and of the Gods and Heroes show. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I, I know it's been a long time, but I hope that uh, it was worth it. So thank you, and I hope we can talk again real soon.